Good morning. It's good to see you. We're going to continue looking at Jeremiah as we look at Jeremiah chapter 9 this morning. We're going to look at verses 17 to 24 of Jeremiah uh, chapter 9. And uh, Jeremiah has, as, as he does through his entire book, continued to warn the people of their failure to love other people, um, to rebuke them for, your, for their failure to love other people, and for their failure to listen to God, and their, for their failure to repent of their sinfulness. And um, a lot of people know Jeremiah or refer to Jeremiah as the weeping prophet. The weeping prophet. He uh, gets this uh, uh, characterization of one who's crying all the time. And uh, these chapters, chapters 8 and 9, are one big reason for this. He talks a lot about weeping here. And uh, the question is, why is he in such pain? What causes him to weep? And why does it matter to us? So listen to God's word as I read. I'm reading from Jeremiah 9, 17 to 24, if you're following along. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider and call for the morning women to come. Send for the skillful women to come. Let them make haste and raise a wailing over us, that our eyes may run down with tears and our eyelids flow with water. For a sound of wailing is heard from Zion. How we are ruined. We are utterly shamed because we have left the land, because they have cast down our dwellings. Hear, O women, the word of the Lord, and let your ear receive the word from his mouth. Teach to your daughters a lament, and each to her neighbor a dirge. For death has come up into our windows. It has entered our palaces, cutting off the children from the streets and the young men from the squares. Speak. Thus declares the Lord, the dead bodies of men shall fall like dung upon the open field, like sheaves after the reaper and none shall gather them. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight declares the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we pray that your spirit would work right now in our hearts, in our minds. Show us who you call us to be. Show us how we should respond to you. And we pray, Father, that you would reveal yourself to us and that we would see you more clearly, that we would see Jesus and that he is enough this morning, that he is what we need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, who here feels like they could cry right now? You laugh. <laughs> I was guessing. I was going to ask for a raise. You would raise your hands, but I was guessing that at least a few of us could cry right now because of things that are going on in your life, because of circumstances, because of whatever reason. You know, you are hurting. You are overwhelmed. You have lost something, 
and it would be very easy for you to cry right now, but I'm guessing that you will probably try to hold it together until you get home, at least. Probably. Because, you know, most of us, whether it's right or wrong, most of us, you know, tend to think that there are appropriate times to really break down and weep, and there are inappropriate times to do that. You know, we tend to think that, you know, a lot of us probably think that, you know, if if you're really going to break down and sob uncontrollably, probably it's best to do it alone, or maybe with one or two people that you're really close to. Um, we, we probably would, you know, be thrown off or, or think th- or it would get really awkward if, you know, you're sitting at work and the person in the cubicle or the office next to you just starts sobbing uncontrollably, right? That would be strange. Or maybe if you're on a Zoom meeting nowadays, right? You're on a Zoom meeting with uh, eight or ten other people and one of the people in the boxes on the Zoom meeting is just weeping and weeping the entire meeting. It would, it would get really weird. We tend to think that it's better to do that in private, uh, or, or at least there's, there's more appropriate times to really weep. I mean, of course, when, when we're at a funeral, you expect people to be crying, right? That's not out of place. Or maybe in a place like a hospital where, you know, people are, are regularly getting news that, that's really hard to hear and that causes them to really cry. But, you know, you don't expect to be standing in line at cliffs to get ice cream and the person behind you to just be, you know, sobbing. You don't expect that, right? That gets weird. Um, or, you know, you, you expect... Uh, there's, there's different expectations for, for how old you are and how much you're able to cry. You know, if a little kid falls and skins their, their knee, we, we kind of, you know, it's, it's not abnormal for them to just roll around hysterically on the ground and cry, cover themselves with tears. But if I were to stub my toe, you expect me to, like, handle it with a little more dignity, Right? You don't expect me to be rolling around, weeping. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, even now, as I'm, as I'm preaching right now, you might expect me to, you know, maybe. You wouldn't be thrown off if I got emotional, if I got a little bit teary-eyed and, and even was, you know, struggled to kind of get something out at one moment. But, but if I really just let myself go and started sobbing and had to just, like, sit down here and just couldn't go on... It would get awkward really quickly, wouldn't it? It would get awkward. Um, so we have this sense, you know, there, there's appropriate times and places to really weep. And then there's inappropriate times and places. Sadly, I found that a lot of, a lot of times, um, I, I think that, that the church should be a place where we can cry. And yet, more than once, I've had people tell me, no, I can't, I can't show up on Sunday because I, I wouldn't be able to hold, together, hold it together and I can't let people see me like that. You know, we should be able to, to weep here. And actually, as you read Jeremiah, chapters 8 and 9, God actually commands us to weep. He commands the people of God to weep. That's what we're told to do. Um, I hope you, 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 you might struggle with this today, but the, the main application from today is that you weep, that you cry. Um, in, in, in chapter 8, we didn't read this part, but in chapter 8, Jeremiah talks about how his heart is sick and he grieves and he has no joy. 
And then at the beginning of chapter 9, the first verse of chapter 9, he, he, it seems like he's quoting God. It's hard to tell if he's talking about, if he's quoting God or if he's saying that he is weeping, but he's talking about how his, his, um, his eyes just should, should be flooding with tears. And then in the middle of chapter 9, again, it seems like God is saying that he weeps day and night. So you have Jeremiah and God both weeping here in these chapters. And then you get to this passage here, and it might seem a little weird. At first, you read verse 17, it says, Consider and call for the morning women to come. Send for the skillful women to come. Who are these women that he's calling for? Well, back in those days, there were actually women who were professional mourners. They actually were paid to come to a funeral and to just wail and weep and encourage people to grieve and encourage people to cry at the funeral. So they actually made a living doing that. And so that's, that's who he's referring to in verse 17. He's like, things are so bad right now. We need to call for these women that, that they would help us to cry. You know? Let them make haste and raise a wailing over us, in verse 18, that our eyes may run down with tears and our eyelids flow with water. That's what he's saying. We, we should be weeping. The people of God should be weeping, crying. And as I read this passage, I see two reasons that he gives us for why the people of Israel should be crying and, and why we as God's people should be, should be weeping. Should we, be, we should be grieving and crying as well. Okay? So the first reason is because of the surrounding ruins. They're surrounded by ruins. Jeremiah describes this time as he prophesies to Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel. He, he describes this time when they will be conquered by Babylon. And they will be, and as they look around the, this, this land that they have been given by God, they will see nothing but ruin. They will see, see nothing but ruin. Um, it says in verse 19, how we are ruined. We are utterly shamed because we have left the land, because they have cast down our dwellings. There's going to come a time when Babylon conquers Judah and they, and they exile the people. They are taken from their land. And so they, they're experiencing ruin and loss. And this is why they should weep. They're experiencing death. There's, it, it talks about in verse 21, death has come up into our windows. It has entered our palaces. It, it describes death in this, like it personifies death. It's crawling up into the windows. They're surrounded by it. Dead bodies of men shall fall like dung upon the open field, like sheaves after the reaper, and none shall gather them in verse 22. So there's going to come a time that, that, that Jeremiah is talking about in Judah where they will be conquered by Babylon. There will be, there will be catastrophic death. They will be taken out of this land that, it, that God had given them that was supposed to be special to them, that was supposed to be a place where they would, they would, they would live and rejoice and feast, and yet they would be taken out of it. Now, we're not Israelites who have lost our land and, and have family members who have been killed by Babylonians, okay? But we are people who live in a world that experiences real loss and pain because this world has been profoundly impacted by sin because the first people sinned and everyone has sinned since then. And because of that, 
Our world, all of creation is under a curse. And we live daily, I don't have to remind you guys, but that, that we live daily surrounded by ruins, surrounded by death. I mean, this pandemic has cost the lives of many people. Cancer, other diseases, suicide, abortion. We are surrounded by death, and we should weep. And it's not just death. We, we are surrounded by families that have been broken, where children are growing up without moms and dads, where there is a great deal of hatred and injustice, just all sorts of loss and pain. And we should weep because of that. We should weep because as, as, as Jeremiah describes this world in Judah that is, de- that, that is demolished, where, where there's ruins, he's like saying, we should weep because this is the, not the way it's supposed to be. This is wrong. And so as God's people, we of all people who know what it should be like should be weeping because there is so much wrongness in this world. There is so much devastation and hurt and pain and loss and we should weep. But even, even worse than that, the ruins that the people of Israel are dealing with are, are the result of the direct result of their own sin, right? The reason that they experience this devastation is because God has brought Babylon to judge them for their sin, for their, for their refusal to listen to God and obey him and love him and love others. And so the, 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 the most natural parallel here for us is the church. It's the church. We are the people of God. Back then, Israel was the people of God. Now it's the church. And sadly, the church is, is just as full of brokenness. There is just as much loss and pain. People are living in isolation in the church when they shouldn't be. People are living in need in the church when they shouldn't be. There is discrimination and hatred in the church when there shouldn't be. There is abuse in the church when there shouldn't be. It's wrong. And, and, and it can be easy for us, you know, Hope Church, you know, everything's great here. It's, it's all the ugliness is out there, but no. Hope Church is, is nowhere near what it should be in the way that we love one another. And we should weep. We should weep because of this. Because this church is not what it should be, and it's because of us. People do not feel loved and cared about, and it's because of us. And so we should weep. So that's the first reason, the surrounding ruins. God says, weep, grieve, because this isn't the way it should be. The second reason is because of a missed opportunity. We should weep because there's a, a serious missed opportunity here. Um, 
a lot of times in life, you know, there, there's, you find out afterwards that, you know, you had the opportunity to do something amazing and you missed out on it and it's like really disappointing, but it, you know, it doesn't kind of like rock your world or cause spin it, you don't spin into depression, but there are some serious things, you know, major things that if, if you miss out on could change your life. Jeremiah is reminding the people here as we get down into verse 23 of something that they've missed. Something, an opportunity that they've missed. See, I didn't read the whole chapter, chapter 9, but there, there's a verse earlier in chapter 9. If you want to go back and read it later, if you have your Bible in front of you, you can look back at it. But, but Jeremiah's going through this list of things that he's rebuking the people for, these different sins that they've committed, where they've, they've oppressed people, and they've deceived people. And one of those things that he accuses them of is the fact that they've refused to know God. They've refused to know him. Specifically, that's what he says earlier in, in chapter 9. And then he comes down after calling all the people to weep together. What does he say in verse 23? He says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, or the mighty man boast in his might, or let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in what? That he understands and knows me. See, he's reminding the people, you have missed what you need most. You've missed it. You've refused to know me. But what you need most is to know me. You've thought, as, you, as you've thought about you know, how, to, how to make sure you're secure in life, you've thought that, that the way to find that security is through your strength or through your wisdom and your competence, through your wealth and what you can provide for yourself. You thought those are the things that would help you. But the thing that you needed most was me, to know me and to trust me and to love me. And yet you've refused. You've refused. You've missed the opportunity to, to, to take hold of the thing that will help you more than anything else, which is knowing me. Because I'm a God who delights in steadfast love and justice and righteousness. And this is the thing. Our lives, I would say, are just as tragic. They're just as tragic. We're still missing this opportunity. There's nothing more helpful in life, nothing more helpful in life than knowing God. And that may be hard for some of us to believe when you have bills to pay. There is nothing more helpful in life than knowing God, no matter how overwhelming life's challenges are. There is nothing that will give you a, a real sense of peace and security and safety. Nothing other than knowing God. That's why he says, this is what you need to boast in, knowing me, not these other things. And yet we let ourselves believe that it all depends on our stuff, what we have. It all depends on our wisdom, our competence. It all depends on our accomplishments, our strength, what we're able to do. That's how we live. And we let the busyness of our lives crowd out all sorts of opportunities to know him better. We fill our days with to-do lists and all these things that we need to get done, that we need to, uh, to accumulate for ourselves, to think that, thinking that those are the things that are going to keep us safe and make us okay. But it's God and God alone that will do this. 
And I think we miss the opportunity. Daily, we miss the opportunity. To, to, we, we let so much crowd out this opportunity that we have on a daily basis to know God better. And this is a real reason to, to weep. It's a real reason to weep, that, that we let all sorts of things crowd out this incredible opportunity we have to know God better. And so there's this missed opportunity um, that we need to, to weep about, this missed opportunity to know God better, but there's also another missed opportunity here that I think is that, that's referenced. And, and uh, we have this, we've missed the opportunity to, to spread delight. Jeremiah says the only thing worth boasting in is knowing God and understanding him. Knowing God and understanding him. And what does he say to, to, to understand about him? That, that, that he practices steadfast love and justice and righteousness in the earth. And then he says what? He says, for in these things I delight. So this is the thing. Um, the big reason that, that Jeremiah has been rebuking the people of Israel is the fact that they have not been practicing steadfast love and justice and righteousness. And the fact that they have not been practicing those things reveals the fact that they don't know God. If you know God, then you practice the things that he delights in, right? And, and did you notice the things that he delights in? Steadfast love and justice and righteousness. These are things that bring delight to other people around us. These are things that bless the people around us, that encourage the people around us, that bring delight to their lives. And this is the problem. He's accusing the people, you've, you've failed to know me, and, and also because of that, you've failed to, to live in a way that, that brings blessing and delight to the people around you, to delight in the, in the things that I delight in. And guess what? To practice the things that the one who created all of us delights in, to practice those things, that is what will bring fulfillment to us, isn't it? And yet we think that, that, that just caring about ourselves and being self-absorbed, we, we think that being self-centered is going to bring greater satisfaction than being, bring, being generous and other-centered. Focusing only on my delight and my wants and my needs, we think that's what's going to bring satisfaction to my life. And yet what God says is, if you, if you know me, then you're going to delight in what I delight in, and you're going to delight in what other people, and, and the, the care of other people, the love of other people, serving other people. And that is what will bring you fulfillment. And this is why we should weep, because we're wasting so much of our lives just turned in on ourselves. We're wasting so much of our lives just thinking primarily of me and my hurts and my pains and my needs rather than thinking about how I can actually practice a, a radical, steadfast love for the people around me and even the people I don't know. Where I can, I can practice justice and I can speak up for others and I can, and I can live in a way that, that brings dignity to others. And I can practice righteousness and integrity and faithfulness. These are the things that will satisfy us. And if we, if, we don't, if we don't orient our lives towards living in this way, we are missing out on an opportunity. 
Who doesn't love to, like when you actually do something or, or give something to someone to bring joy to their life, how, do, how, how is that not satisfying, right? Don't miss that opportunity to bring joy to other people, to, to bring delight to other people by practicing the things that God delights in. Steadfast love, justice, righteousness. When we, when we don't do that, we are missing an opportunity we are losing. We're missing out. And so this is what I want to urge us towards today. I mean, it's simple. Um, he calls us to weep. He calls us to weep because of the, the, the ruins that we live in every day, because of the loss that we experience every day and the people around us experience. We are called to weep. We are called as we, as we interact with people in our world that they would know us as people who grieve, who lament, who hurt, we, we are called to weep about the, just the, the cir- circumstance of our own life and our own church and how we miss this opportunity to, to do everything in life so that we can know him better and so that we can practice what he delights in. This is... Um, the thing is, as I was, as I was thinking about this and, and these, these chapters in Jeremiah where it describes, Jeremiah describes God as one who, who is a, um, you could say real softy, you know, he's, he's weeping. He's weeping, right? Um, and one of the things that I find encouraging as I, as I read through the whole Bible is, is there's this, um, God doesn't change. He's consistent all the way through, you know? Um, as, as we look into the New Testament and, and God comes into our world in the flesh as Jesus is born and then grows up and ministers to people, what do we see in Jesus' life? I think we see the same principle. We see the same behavior. Um, Jeremiah is, is um, like one of the longest books in the Bible, right? Um, and then there's the shortest verse in the Bible. You know what the shortest verse of the Bible is? Jesus wept, you're right, yeah. John 11, you know why Jesus wept? Um, in John 11, he heard that his friend Lazarus was sick. And then he waits, and then he goes, and in the time that he delays in going, Lazarus dies, and he gets there to Lazarus' town and Lazarus' sisters both greet Jesus and they are hurting as they are living in the, the ruins of their life having lost their brother and the friends, they're all grieving and they're hurting and they come to Jesus and they, they're like, Jesus, if only you would have been here and then how does Jesus respond? He looks at the people and he sees how they are hurting and he weeps. He weeps, he cries. Why does he weep? Well, he, he weeps, of course, because of the, the ruins. He weeps because of the loss of the life of Lazarus. That this man is dead. His friend is dead. Their family member is dead. He weeps with them. But I think he also weeps because even 
Mary and Martha, as, as well as they knew him, they didn't know him <laughs> enough. They didn't know him enough because they, they were like, you know, if only you had been here. If only you had been here, our brother would still be alive. It's possible, that's true, yes. And then he says, well, listen, I am the resurrection and the life. That's what he says to them. And, and, and they're like, well, yeah, I know, you know, and the last day we'll rise and, and it'll be great. But Lazarus is dead now. And Jesus says, don't you get it? I'm the resurrection of life. I, I, can, I can raise Lazarus today. Don't you know me? Don't you know how much I love you? Don't you know how much I care about you? Don't you know how strong and powerful I am? And that's exactly what he does. As he shouts, Lazarus, come out. And he raises the dead. He weeps because of the ruins and the loss. But he weeps, I think, because also they aren't getting it. And he desperately wants them to. If only we'll get it today. Jesus, the resurrection and the life. He weeps with us in the midst of our loss and our pain, but he can raise the dead. And so let's trust him. Let's seek to know him. In the midst of our tears, let's seek to know him and trust him today and weep with him. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us. Help us. Help us to weep. Help us to cry. Help us even to sob this morning. Help us not to be so worried about keeping it together. Help us to really get in touch with how wrong things are and how we have so easily missed the fact that only you can and will make them right. Help us to weep. Help us to seek you and know you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, please stand with us. Amen.